Another big weekend in fights in the books. UFC 292 in Boston. Sean O'Malley in the main event defeats Aljamain Sterling to take the UFC bantamweight title. And worth noting, too, Aljo was on a nine-fight win streak. So Sean O'Malley snapped one of the more impressive win streaks in the division. And, I mean, there's a lot of places where we could start. But I know coming in, when we talked about it last week, we talked about how this was definitely a striker versus grappler type thing. And if O'Malley was going to win, he was going to have to find his chin when he makes a mistake. And Aljo, pick him up, put him down, beat him up. And I do want to start just to say, I think the knockout, because obviously he knocked him out in round two with that beautiful counter right hand. But I think the knockout overshadowed how good his takedown defense looked. Because Aljo didn't get him to the ground. He tried a couple times. So... For people like, even us, I think it was tough to think that O'Malley was going to stop all of his takedowns. And, you know, the fight didn't go on long enough for Aljo to shoot more than a couple. But O'Malley looked good when he did. He looked strong. He, I've, already, I've always said this, that he has, I think he's the fastest bantamweight on the feet. And I think his footwork helps with that too. But also his power is insane. And obviously this fight, you could really see that. But I will say as someone who's liked Sean O'Malley for a long time... I'm happy that people are finally getting to see how good he is. And because all the stuff that he's doing now and that he talks about with his nutrition, his um, his sleep, like all this other stuff that he does to prepare. He's been talking about that since the beginning, like before even he got suspended for the Osterine thing. And now he's the champ, which is impressive. He's done everything he said he's going to do. So I'll leave it to you now. Like, what, what did you think of this fight for both guys, I guess? Uh, yeah, dude, super impressive from Sean O'Malley, obviously. Um, and, I mean, I guess just to, like, you know, just dive right into, like, you know, the fight itself and just breaking that down. Um, I guess, like, from a mental aspect, I'm not, you know, I'm not too entirely sure if, you know, because I think, like, it's, I think it goes without, you know, saying that like now that we can really we can really start questioning whether or not Aljamain Sterling took you know underestimated Sean O'Malley in the sense that you know sure that Sean was gonna stuff a few takedowns here and there in defend of you know his takedown defense was gonna be you know there but not perfect like it was in this fight um and it was and so obviously Aljo like I don't know it kind of just seemed like you know, now all cautions being thrown in the wind, like you have to beat him on the feet. And he did say too that he didn't want this fight to be boring, which is never like a good thing for a fighter to think, I, in my opinion, because his yeah, game I is mean, to I, grind guys down and yes. beat them on the ground. Like if you're trying to strike with a guy like O'Malley, and that's that's kind of why I asked that question in the Q and A when we went to the open workout, because you know. I didn't think that he had that mentality on it, but I was like, if this fight, if he happens to defend these takedowns, what does he think of the matchup yeah, on the feet? Uh, and this one is just, O'Malley's footwork is just so good. Like he was doing such a good job of just getting out of the way and not letting Aljo pressure him up against the cage like he does to everybody else. And like I said, he's so fast and it just seems like he was a step ahead of Aljo at all times on the feet. And when Aljo was struggling to get him to the ground when he would try it, in those couple times, like it's not, it wasn't a good sign. I will say that. And then O'Malley, he has, he's very precise. He's a sniper out there and he found his chin and it was, 
I mean, he kind of came forward a little aggressively and just threw caution in the wind, kind of like you said. But the timing, man, to do that, yeah, that, that was incredible. Yeah, can't take that away from him. No, not at all. And, like, I'd say he's one of the more polarizing figures in the sport. But, uh, I mean, you can't argue it now. He just beat Aljamain Sterling. And I know what people say about Aljamain Sterling. His title reign is – they almost discredit <laughs> it, even though it's crazy to do that. Like – Aljamain Sterling, he's literally all right. Well, let's let's break it down a little bit. He beat Peter Yan twice technically on paper. You could say what you want about the first one. I'll give you guys that. But the second one is a fair win. It's a split decision. You could think what you want, but in the record books, Aljo won. Then he beat T.J. Dillashaw. People will go to the shoulder. It's like you can't blame Aljamain Sterling that TJ Dillashaw decided to go in there with a with a messed up shoulder. Like, what do you, what do you want him to do? Like, that's out of his control. Henry Cejudo beats by split decision. If Henry would have won that fight, people would be saying, "Oh my God, Henry's the greatest!" Like, I can't believe he came back. But because Aljo beat him, it's like Henry was washed. He hasn't fought in a couple years. It's like this dude cannot catch a break, and. I, it seems like the MMA world is starting to give the respect almost after the fact because I think it's because people are so shocked that O'Malley actually won and they're like, damn, he just beat Aljamain. Like, that's pretty good. That's what I've been seeing at least. But I, I don't know. I, I think there's like a conversation to be had about his place all time. But before we go there, because I know we're going to talk about Aljo's you know, spot and everything, but the champion, you know, he is the champion now, Sean O'Malley. He called out um, Chito Vera, in, wants him in December. Now, people have a problem with that, including some of the top consent contenders like Corey Sandhagen. He even said thought it, he thought it was weak sauce. That was the word, he, the <laughs> phrase he used. I thought that was funny. And I kind of get where he's coming from, but I also get where O'Malley's coming from because O'Malley wants a money fight. Chito's a big name in the division. He has the history with him. And quite frankly, Marav and Sandhagen might be tougher fights because those are the guys who you would think would deserve it a little more. But uh, what do you think is the most likely option for Sean O'Malley next? Because we know who he wants, we know who deserves it, but what do you think is most likely to happen? Um, I mean, so like, you know, Cheeto Vera was also on this card and he also got his hand raised as well. Um. You know, in a fashion we'll obviously talk about, but um, um, it seems like yeah that that this is probably what's gonna. I don't know when. Uh, I don't. I don't reckon like it's gonna happen like that soon. Maybe, you know, maybe Cheeto even gets like one more fight before beforehand, and you know, you know, I guess like on, it's on his terms. Like he's willingly putting his rank on the line just to like leave no stone unturned that he is the number one contender um but... i don't know if cheeto cares though because he tweeted like a bunch after that o'malley win like i think he sees it like if o'malley wants to give him a title shot i it's a page out of chael's book if like the champion is calling you out you'd be crazy not to go for the title shot and that's I don't know. I think that's what Cheeto seems to be doing. I understand why Marav and Sandhagen wouldn't like that very much. Sandhagen, I think, is in a bit of a better spot because he's injured with the, I think he tore his tricep in that fight versus Font. So, like, he's going to have to take some time anyway to heal up. But Marav is the one who truly kind of gets screwed here because 
I don't think O'Malley wants that fight. And it's not because I don't think... Like, it, I think he believes that he can win, but I think he knows that it's, like, probably the tallest task in that division. And Cheeto, Cejudo's still around. Like, that's a big fight. I think O'Malley is going to aim for those types of fights. And there's, I think yeah. there's two schools of thought on it. There's thought, like, all right, well, he's taking the money fight, and that's what he wants to do, so that's okay. And then you got Corey Sandhagen's thought process, which is fair, too. He says it's weak sauce, and hmm. he should fight the best of the best. Why would you fight a guy who's lost to people like who really deserve it, I guess you should say? Because like you, I kind of think Cheeto should get another fight in between. But, hey, man, if the champion wants it and Cheeto wants it, I think it, the only thing that it comes down to is the UFC at this point. It makes me think that it's going to happen as much as I'd rather not yeah, see it right away. You know, pretty predictable, but... um. This yeah. dude's going to be a star. I mean, he's already a star, but now it's on another level. I mean, when is the last time you've seen a UFC pay-per-view main event outcome posted on YouTube, like, seconds after it happened? That Like, I can't even yeah, think of it. We used to talk about how they never, like, post even the prelims <laughs> on, like, ESPN MMA. They're just starting to do that. They're finally posting some prelims. When have they ever posted a pay-per-view main event on their channel for free? They want this guy to blow up and he's already done that he Sean O'Malley's done a great job at marketing himself that's very clear I mean he's done it all right I think the flash has kind of like you you were kind of talking about how Aljo could have underestimated him I think the flash and his personality kind of makes fighters think that he doesn't work as hard as he does because of like the pink Lamborghini the partying with like the Nelk boys and stuff like that but this dude's in the gym, man. He's a grinder. Like I, I, you know, you know this. I've listened to his podcast like for a while since before we even started this, and like this dude's been taking it seriously for a long time, and he's been working harder and smarter than a lot of people. So I'm not as shocked as some people are to see this, but I did think that this was going to be a really hard fight for him because Aljo is one of the best. But to get on Aljo a little bit because we've been talking a lot about O'Malley. What do you think could be next for Sterling? Because he's in a bit of a difficult spot because he's done so much. He had a nice title reign, and now it's like you're back to the drawing board. And I feel like he has a few options, but what are your, what are your thoughts on it before I kind of like get into mine? Um, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, I feel like perhaps we see the most likely outcome might be like an immediate rematch if i mean i don't i I honestly i don't know like you know the exact specifics of how it works like so when a champion loses their title and then they demand the automatic you know the immediate rematch like i don't it's not contractual so it's it's i don't think it is at least not to my knowledge it's not like boxing but I know he wanted it. He did yeah. say that. And I, I think he's fair to say that. You know, he had a nice title reign despite what people are going to say about it. I think it's unlikely, which sucks because, like, you could argue that he deserves Damn. it. That's almost why I didn't bring it up before. Because, like, I'd want to see it for sure. But, you know, when you think about it from, like, a fight perspective strictly, like, he fought... He fought Sean O'Malley. He got knocked out in the second round. So it's like, do we need to see it right away? I mean, I, I hear like your point in like saying that he t- should deserve it because he's done like enough. 
I just yeah, I just don't see it. I can't I can't see the UFC trying to do that. Especially too because they want Marab to probably get in there at some point and they know if Sterling were to win, then you're setting up the log jam once again. Or you're gonna have a champion that's just gonna go up to one forty five right away. Like, that's that was his plan anyway. That's kind of where I was thinking too, because he could stay at one thirty five, but I don't think there's any easy matchups there. The one that I thought would just be fun was him versus Umar Nurmagomedov rising prospect but i just don't like yeah. why take that you know yeah. like why take where does that get you like, <laughs> yeah. so my opinion personally is that he should go up to 145 and maybe a fight with Ilya toporia because if he wins that you're right in the title picture at 145 and you might you could even argue that he could be the number one contender right there because we've talked in the past about toporia being that guy right now so if you go up there and you beat the number one contender, you're right back in the title picture. Whereas 135, especially with O'Malley as champion, I think it gets a little tougher and there's more of a log jam at the top. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's tough right now. Just like right after the fight. Yeah, that's for sure. Because even with Sean O'Malley, it's kind of like... I don't, I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess you see... Uh, you know what? What the next, you know, the next order of business is for Sean O'Malley, that probably is going to dictate what goes on with Aljamain Sterling. I think so. that'll clear up the division quite a lot too, because I think if, I think if Cheeto gets a title shot, I think we're more likely to see Marab versus Sandhagen as like a number one contender fight, which would be cool, but. You know, you'd like to see them fight for the title because I think they've both earned that right. But at the end of the day, it's up to the champ. It's up to the UFC. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But let's talk a little bit about the other title fight that we had on this card. Got overshadowed quite a bit, I would say, by the uh, Sean O'Malley win. But Zhang Wei Li defeats Amanda Lemos by a, one of the clearest unanimous decisions you'll see. 50-43, 50-44, and then a 49-45. Um, Lemos had like a couple little moments early like with her jiu-jitsu, but for the most part, this fight was just Zhang Weili dominating it from every aspect, mostly on the ground. A lot of ground and pound. There were multiple times in this fight where I thought it was over. But almost credit to Lemos for surviving some of those. But, man, Zhang Weili was looking as dominant as you'll see a champion. What, what did you think of this one? Yeah, dude, I think just, like, with her, just, like, how methodical she is and how she just breaks, you know, every, just, like, every minute of each round, she's just breaking down her opponent more and more. Like, it's, like, yeah, dude, it's pretty scary for any other challenger in the division, honestly, because, you know... We just like we we saw like you know after the Ro the Rose Nami Yunus loss, you know she takes some time and then it's like she's right back at the top. It's like dude. she seems to be like a different animal since that. Truly, uh, with how she knocked out Joanna, and then getting the the title like back. Yeah, it's, just... it's it's something serious, man. And yeah, dude, I just feel like you know I guess with. Amanda Nunez now out of women's MMA. Like, we might have her new, like, undisputed, like, top women's pound-for-pound, like, pound, like we'll fighter see. here because, sheesh, dude, I just feel like, you know, 
I don't know. I've, I I think it's gonna just be really tough to replicate what Rose did the first time. So yeah, I think she's a different fighter than that one. But honestly, like yeah, yeah obviously it's the same person. But since then, it's just looked like she's in another ballpark. You know, I think that the fight that I want to see, and it's truly the only fight that I want to see because I think that she's the only person who's gonna have a semblance of a chance. It's Tatiana Suarez. I think that she's. You could argue that she needs one more win, but my argument against that is who is beating Zhang in the meantime? Nobody. I want to see somebody who actually has a chance. You, you know what I mean? Like, and, I'm, you know, this is MMA. Anything can happen, but, like, coming in, I want to see Zhang against somebody who's not going to be a massive underdog. And I think Suarez has done enough in her short career, especially since this comeback. I just I want to see that because I think that's the person who could do it. You know, time will tell and we'll see if she is. But, in I don't know. I, I just can't see anyone else. I mean, some people were talking about maybe eventually Mackenzie Dern because she just got booked versus Andrade. But I think, honestly, that's not a good fight for Mackenzie Dern just because she's, she's very sloppy on the feet. And against, like, Andrade, I think she's just going to get really, like, beaten up on the feet. I don't know if she's going to be able to take Andrade down because she's really strong, too. But... So that's what I'm saying. Like, it kind of just leaves that one option. Yeah. I don't really know. Unless Zhang were to go up, which just doesn't make sense right now because the title's kind of up in the air with Grasso versus Sochenko. And then we have, you know, Blanchfield coming up close to it. I, I just don't think that that's the move yet. So I mean, yeah, might, might as well. I mean, like, what really more do does anybody need to see from Zhang Weili, like, you know, she's about as dominant as it gets in, like, all of MMA right now, so... Yeah, I know. just think it's a, one more fight away, just because of the timing. Like, the timing just doesn't make sense at the moment. There's too much going on in that division right now, so it's like, if Zhang went up, it's just kind of like... I mean, I don't fighting. even, you know, showcase, so she was the co-main on this card, like, right. maybe this next fight is the main event, but I don't know, maybe because, like, yeah, if... if if she, I think more, it's more so if she does face Tatiana Suarez and wins, then... I think that would up, be the time. Yeah. yeah. But, like, and that's then, my point, though, because by then we'll know what's going on with the flyweight division because Shevchenko and Grasso yeah, are going to rematch. So that's true. That's literally in less than a month. So I think by then we'll definitely have a good idea of what's going on. And who knows, even by then maybe Blanchfield will have a shot. Because that's the thing, at 125, there's contenders. That's the other rough part for Zhang. So she has to kind of make her case above them. And plus, the media has to help with that, too. You know, there has to be hype behind it. Because I, I don't know about you. Wow. I haven't really seen people talking about it. As I'm a moving part. Yeah, man. So I think, like, all things, like we say pretty much every week, I think time will tell. And uh, eventually, we'll be able to talk about whatever the next fight is. So... Next, let's get into Ian Gary versus Neil Magny. This was truly, in my opinion, one of the more impressive performances on the card just because I don't, I've never seen anyone do that to Neil Magny. On the feet, just defending takedowns. His striking, you know, I, you could say what you want about him as a person. I still don't, like, love it. But the guy in the cage that's a true contender i'm sorry like I, he's proven that to me by beating neil magny just beating him like that 
you know, I think the, he yeah. wanted Wonder Boy next. That's the whole conversation we can get into in a second. But the fight itself, man, all the leg kicks, just the precision behind it, the speed. Neil Magny looked lost in there. And, like, he truly just got bullied in every every way by Ian Gary. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll leave the floor open to you. There's not much really technically I should I say. I mean, yeah, I'd lo- yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, because it's one of these fights that, you know, um, that does that does just speak for itself, really. And I think, with that being said, like you know, not for someone who wasn't you know even coming into this fight, like still not very much sold on Ian Gary. Um, like this, this definitely helped his case for sure. And I wonder, call out like Wonder Boy too. I mean, that makes like, me respect him a little more because yeah. that's a tough fight for anybody, especially a striker. So it's like, I, I respect that, that he wants a tough fight. You know, you, we were talking about the O'Malley thing before with, like, money or, you know, fighting yeah, the best yeah. of the best. It seems like Gary wants to beat the best. So, and I know Wonderboy isn't that close to a title shot, but it's, in my opinion, it's a really logical step up, you know? It's just, I just, I've seen enough, you know what I mean? Like, him beating Neil Magny like that proves to me that he deserves a shot at that upper echelon. And he passed that test with flying colors, you know? So, I'd love to see the Wonder Boy fight. Seems like you're in agreement of that. What? But before we move on, because... I mean, he seems, it seems like he's, Ian Gary's pretty, like, active, like, right yeah. now. So, um, I mean, if... Wonder Boy doesn't respond or even declines. Like, I wonder what he, what you know what they're gonna give him. I guess oh, maybe as like a bridge into that. We got that top ten. Well, Magny's number eleven, so he's probably and I Luke Luke just won, so I think he's probably gonna get up to eleven, maybe twelve. Oh wait, oh because he's ranked number thirteen now. Yeah, he'll probably get up to eleven. Wonder Boy's number seven. Yeah. I, it's, I don't know. That's not like for Wonder Boy to decline that. Like I don't. I don't. I don't think that's a good move, honestly. Especially after what just happened with Bear and how the UFC seems to just somehow be mad at him <laughs> for his opponent missing weight and like him wanting at least like show money. I don't know if they ended up fixing that, but that's not even where I'm trying to go with the conversation. But just because I think if Wonder Boy were to say no to that fight, I don't know. It probably isn't too favorable. For him, if he does that, and it sucks that that's not. the way it is. Yeah, it's just that's how the business works. Yeah, that's the truth. So, that's all I really got for this fight. Unless you have something else you want to add. Yeah, uh, it's just dominant. biggest win of <laughs> Ian Gary's career for sure, for sure. Um, so honestly, I'm not gonna really say much about the uh, Bautista versus Blackshear fight. It was a good fight. But I don't feel like we learned anything because, like, Blackshear took it on a week's notice. He just fought last week, had that insane twister. And but Bautista's a pretty good opponent, and it was just, like, a, it was a good fight. Like, I'm not even saying that it wasn't. But uh, with for Bautista to win it against a guy who, like, just came in on a week's notice, and I know, I get that it's all probably, like, a big adjustment to fight somebody on that short of notice, and maybe that's why it was a lot closer. But I just don't feel like I learned much about either guy. Yeah, so, I, I'm in a, I'm in agreement pretty much. Yeah, this I just is, don't know if there's a conversation for it. This is kind of the part in the card where you know the the the, the scorecards and whatnot are starting to like 
you know, things were, were getting, it was starting to sound like a little fishy, and then, like, it kind of just, like, gave you that thought for the rest of the car, like, oh, man, like, I wonder how they're going to find a way to mess up the the title fights. Well, <laughs> luckily, the next two fights were two of the more dominant decisions yeah. that you'll see, and then the title fight, O'Malley just straight dropped Aljamain <laughs> Sterling, so there was no need. Did you hear what actually O'Malley said after the fight? Because someone said that they gave... Aljo, one of the judges gave Aljo round one, and then he goes, I wonder who they gave round two. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. That was pretty funny. He's not, like, the most witty dude at press conferences, so I thought that I mean, one was yeah, pretty that good. Was, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah. So let's, I think, let's get into the, uh, the last fight that we want to talk about on the main card. And it does have, like, some implications from, the like, the main event. Chito Vera defeats... Pedro Munoz yeah. by unanimous decision. I thought this was an interesting scorecard. Like, I thought Cheeto won, but Very I was surprised that... Yeah, 230-27. Yeah, what do you think of that? My, that was my main gripe, too. Okay. I mean, because, the yeah, like, the unanimous decision, I think it's fine, but I don't know how two... I don't know how 30, two judges... Get, yeah. I thought round one was, like, it was close, but I thought Munoz, like, you had to give him that. Vera's a slow starter. He always has been because he kind of like gets data and then like wears on guys, and that's yeah, what he did but in this fight. I mean, but. yeah, that's even like yeah. So you factor that in too. So okay, you give round one to Pedro Munoz like still, right off the bat, and still, still twenty nine twenty eight. That's how I gave it. I had twenty nine twenty eight. Yeah, it's just very. It's just so like strange. I mean, because even like a unanimous decision, you could like I wouldn't knock anybody for arguing, but. I mean, you can't really... I don't really know how two guys go with 30, 27. To, like, to say this, they did um, get very close in the striking in round one. Vera actually did outland him, but by one. Um, he was more accurate because he landed uh, 59%. Munoz landed 53 I just... Like, the stats kind of back it up. It's just like it know. was close enough either way. Yeah, it's just 30-27, like... That felt like a closer fight. I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I didn't give all three rounds to uh, to Vera. So, But either way, I'm not trying to like yeah. shit on the win because this was a good he win. Still, yeah, he, Pedro Munoz he is a tough and he, and he got it. So Yeah, and now it seems like yeah, his sights are at the title. It's pretty crazy, him. you know, how like just like it's kind of like a chain, like a domino effect. Within these divisions, like, dude, I mean, you know, obviously no disrespect to Pedro Munoz at all. He's, you know, he's one of the more, I would say, underrated, like, one of the best to ever do it. And, you know, at this point in time, however, like, you know, obviously it goes without saying that he's not the same Pedro Munoz anymore. Yeah. And it's crazy he, ne he never fought for the title, got pretty close, never got close enough. That's, yeah, and that's why it just seems like. It's, you know, I think the fight in between the O'Malley fight, like that one more fight for Cheeto is where I think things are going to go. Because, I mean, because a guy like, a guy like Cheeto too, he always just, he's always giving you something. Like, whether, whether or not even it's like a bad, just lackluster performance, I think Cheeto is always one of these guys that gives you something to take away and bite on and like really like break down and dissect going to his next fight which is like part of 
like what I appreciate about him, why he think like you know he definitely does deserve this title shot, and like it's cool to see him like already like that close to it. But I thought his jab looked good in this fight, but that was the main takeaway for me. Like there wasn't much else. I'm assuming that's where you're going. Yeah, pretty pretty much, and obviously you know with an O'Malley fight like that's gonna prove very you know vital. So uh, can we talk about their first fight? Just for like a second, because people, you know, I, I think it's because O'Malley is so polarizing and some people hate him and some people love him. But like, if you go back and you watch that fight before he landed that kick, O'Malley was picking him apart. And I'm still not sure if something different happens if they fight again. Because, and I'm not like saying that, um, I'm not saying that. Aljo, or not Aljo, I'm not saying that Cheeto hasn't gotten better because I've said in the past that Cheeto is one of the guys who improves the most in between fights. So I do think it'll look different. But we were talking about O'Malley's footwork, just the movement. I think that that's elite. And Cheeto's style of just coming forward, I don't think it looks much different. And unless he lands a similar kick that he did or maybe gets him down and makes this fight dirty, which is a little tough to do, especially after you watch... The O'Malley-Aljo fight, you know, Aljo's one of the best grapplers in bantamweight history, and he couldn't get him down, so it's, do you think Cheeto can? I think things would have to go really south for O'Malley on the feet for that to even get close to happening, so yeah. I agree with you, I, I think there should be a fight in between, especially because one of the guys who's above him beat him. So it's like, Sandhagen's the one who really gets screwed. By Dude, it's just, it's such a hard division to climb. I mean, it's one of the best. I think you could argue it's the best division in the UFC. I know I the old heads so, think 155, yeah. and I still think that that's up there. But 135, man, there's people like 1 through 15 who could be champion, depending on what happens. Yeah, dude. So. I mean, you see, you see a guy like... O'Malley all the way from the beginning like I don't know how many people were giving him a chance to like ever become a UFC champion obviously Aljamain Sterling you know had been just toiling away and like just like almost like like he had a few bad losses like he it's it was looking rough at certain points like I remember when he lost to Marlon Moraes in brutal fashion that was a bad one but then you know, he slowly got there and he beat the right people and then he did, but it's just like you have to go on a big win streak and that's what Aljo did. And in this division, that's just so difficult. And Vera, you know, he's won against a lot of good guys. So if we do see it, I think it's okay. Like, I won't be that mad because like I said, there's a story behind it. It will be a probably a pretty good fight. But yeah, um, I don't know if this win merits that. So yeah. Let's get into a couple prelims real quick. So main one that I think people probably want to talk about is uh, Chris Weidman versus Brad Tavares. Brad Tavares with a good win, by the way. I do want to start with that because I think most of the conversation is obviously going to go to Weidman. <laughs> but good win by, uh, by Brad Tavares over a legend in MMA. So hopefully we get a nice step up for him next because Tavares has looked pretty good lately. A little underrated at middleweight. Been there for a long time, you know. But... Chris Weidman, big comeback fight. I think it had been like 850 days since the leg break. And I think there was ring rust early. It definitely looked like it. He was a lot slower than Tavares throughout the fight, but way worse in the first round, in my opinion. 
Um, very flat-footed in there. I think that's why Tavares was landing so many leg kicks, just because they were so open. And a couple of the people that I was talking to, they they uh, they said that it was cheesy for Tavares to go after his legs. But, like, I get that from, like, a casual point of view. But, hey, if you're locked in a cage with somebody and you know that there's a vulnerable part in their game, you'd be crazy not to go after it. And I get that, like, it was one of the most gruesome injuries in UFC history. But Brad Tavares needs to win that fight, and he did so. But Chris Wyman's legs were just torn up. I think Dana said that he tore one of the CLs. I figured, it, I think ACL or MCL. So sucks Damn. for Chris Weidman, man. But what did you think of him coming into this fight and just your overall thoughts, I guess? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, so it's it's tough with MMA because, like, you obviously you want to get amped for, you know, the OG names and some of the greats to, you know, have that, like, in this case, like, that comeback fight, but you just kind of just, you just factor in just everything that's happened in between and all of that, and it's like, dude, like, things just move fast, and so, you know, a guy like Brad Tavares, who's been here a while, too, and, you know, he's been, um, you know, he's been he's been trying like he, you can't really not him because he's he's been an X factor for this division I'd say for some time and more of like now, a gatekeeper role but now it seems like he's starting to put put it together a little more and you know you can say what you want about Chris Weidman right now but it's still a big win that's a huge name I mean yeah. you just beat a former champion if you're Brad Tavares that's how I would look at it if I were him so. It's only up for him, but for Chris Weidman, it's like, you know, Dana talked about it. He wants Weidman to retire. Weidman has since come out and said that that's not going to happen. So I guess I don't like talking, like, you know, we've said this in the past. Me and you are on here. You know, we don't fight. We're just covering the sport. Who are we to tell somebody that they should retire? But what's your opinion on that? conversation i guess you know without being like disrespectful obviously um yeah i don't know maybe i mean i don't know if it's i guess kind of just let me let me say this to get put you in like an easier position because it is a tough question do you think that the way he looked warrants the conversation of retiring yeah yeah it it definitely does okay I definitely does, um, but it's just I still don't know if it gets worse from here. Maybe yeah. it's just okay. It was his first fight back, and yeah, it's I been see, a long you time. Know, yeah. Someone who's been around like Brad Tavares too. So, um, I thought it was a good matchup. I'll say this: I agree with you that it should be. It's in the conversation, but I don't think he looked so bad that if he got booked again i would be like oh my god you know like there's guys like tony ferguson who've just had the roughest runs and chris wyman doesn't look like that yet i just think that this was like you kind of said Tavares had a good night and it's been a long time for chris wyman but maybe if you get him in against the right opponent it would uh it would reinvigorate him a little bit i do see dana's point in the sense it's like what more can you do like unless chris wyman goes on another title run which would be, I think, miraculous, you know, with all due respect, just because of the age and what just happened. Um, 
just why would you want to keep going, I guess? You know, if you love it and you want to do it, by all means, you should, if you're able. But I do agree with Dana when he says, like, what more does Chris Weidman need to do in this sport? You know, he knocked out Anderson Silva when he was at the peak of his powers, the GOAT at that time. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Weidman have another fight, but I do understand where Dana's coming from, too, and I almost, like, respect that, that he takes his health into that account. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe he just wants to go out on a win. You'd hope. I think he could do that. You know, you just have to be careful with who you match him up against. I wouldn't mind seeing him up against, like, another good, like, wrestler. You know, maybe have some fun scrambles and someone who maybe isn't as much of a threat or as fast on the feet. That's my main thing. The speed in this fight was what was concerning to me more than anything. Because he had the fight. You know, I, I liked when he was... Um, he got the hit with that one leg kick and he's like pointing the ground. He's like, come on, let's go. He's like, you think that's, that's going to beat me? And so like the fight is there. You know what I mean? He has the energy. So it'd be cool to see him up against somebody who was like a better matchup, maybe on the feet, just because he looked a little slower there. But the last thing I kind of want to talk about for this card and not even as much like about this itself, but Brad Katona and Kurt Hallabaugh win Tough 31 on the prelims of this card. I feel like this is more of like a good segue to try and talk about Chandler versus McGregor again because everybody from casuals to hardcore fans are curious of what's going to happen there. Now, there's been some updates since we've last talked about it, so I'm just going to say them real quick and then we'll kind of just get into the debate here. Um so McGregor's USADA status is obviously still pretty unclear. He said on like Twitter that he was um, being held from his livelihood, which I don't know. Like The UFC might have some say in it, but it's kind of dependent on what he does. You know, if he doesn't enter the testing pool, that's on him at the end of the day. So blaming USADA or the commission or the UFC just seems almost like ridiculous to me. But... At the same time, Michael Chandler talked about this. They asked him about it at um, one of the media things. And I thought he had a good take on it and something that I hadn't really thought of as much before. He thinks that we might be splitting hairs a bit with the USADA stuff because his point was how many like random people come into the UFC on a week's, two weeks notice, debut. You know, how long are they in the USADA testing pool? So at this point, he thinks it's just because it's Conor McGregor, and that's the reason why we're doing it like this. So with all that being said, at the end of the day, it's the UFC's decision, not USADA, because USADA has the rule, right, with the six months, but they're paid by the UFC to be their anti-doping company. So the UFC has the final say, I think. So... uh yeah, with all that, just what are your thoughts on where we're at with this fight? Oh, well, actually, one last thing, too. McGregor said that he still wants it for December, but that's probably not going to happen. So, now. <laughs> Sorry. That was important. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, I still just don't think it's really happening anytime soon either. So, I'm still just so, like, up in the air about it because it's like i even i think it's more just the more the later it gets pushed back like the more 
the less people are going to care. And and the more happens in their division at lightweight, you yeah. know? Like, at some point, I think Chandler said in the media day, too, that he does have, like, a soft date in his mind of when he's going to just move past this. He didn't share it. But he said that's something that he's kind of thinking of, but he's not there yet. Um, I, I mean, it sucks, man. Why are they holding McGregor from his livelihood, dude? <laughs> no. But, um, yeah, it, it just doesn't seem like we're any closer. And it seems like the further and further we get from tough now that it's over, I don't know how likely that this one's going to be. I think it has to happen early 2024 or we don't get it at all. Because it's just just too much going on. Like Chandler, Chandler's not young either at lightweight. Let me see. Like I want to look this up for sure. I'm pretty sure he's like above. I almost dropped my phone. Um, he's above 36. That's my guess. He's 37, so I was right. <laughs> but he's 37 years old. So the longer you wait, you're not getting any younger in a division filled with killers and a lot of good prospects too, mind you. So it's like you don't want to be 38 trying to make another title run with all these killers around you and you're waiting for conor mcgregor and you know god forbid he doesn't get that fight and he takes all this time and waits for it there's so much inactivity there and i think chandler's training obviously but you know to not be in the cage we just talked about it with chris weidman you know that does matter sometimes i don't know man it just doesn't seem like we're any closer to it that's kind of my thought process on it but that's all I really had to say about the UFC card. I do want to give Bruce Buffer a quick shout out because his it's time in Boston was phenomenal. So <laughs> just wanted to say that. And uh, before we go, just wanted to note some stuff about the PFL because uh, they had some of their playoffs uh, this past weekend. Big highlight for me was Larissa Pacheco knocking her opponent out 14 seconds in the first round. And she will be fighting in the finals again for a million dollars. So, yeah, good luck to her. And uh, a fight that's happening, I believe, on the 23rd. Yeah, 23rd. Shane Burgos versus Clay Collard. You know, we talked about how Shane Burgos, his spot in the PFL playoffs is a bit interesting with how it came about. But, nonetheless, this fight with Clay Collard should be a really fun one. It's going to be on ESPN, ESPN Plus, that type of stuff. So... I encourage anybody who's never watched yeah, the PFL I mean, watch that fight. Maybe you know you see like Shane Burgos, like maybe not really, I guess much to lose but everything to gain. Yeah. So you just see like Clay Collard's good man. Like I, he's been in the PFL for a minute now. I've watched him fight a bunch of times. Yeah, I went over yeah, Anthony Pettis. I think it'll be a banger fight. It's gonna be a fun one. I'm happy for it. I think Clay Collard is like a UFC caliber 155er. Honestly, like I'm not saying that dude's gonna be like champion, but I'm saying you know, right now, like if he if they were to just go over there, I think Clay Collard could make some noise right now. But he's in the PFL. He's fighting Shane Burgos. That's going to be a really fun one. You know, think what you want about how Shane got there. Still, it's off a win, nonetheless. So I'm excited for it. And yeah, man, it's been a fun few weeks of fights, I'd say. Um, Let's see what we got next week. I think next week is... I I know Gon versus uh, Spivak is coming up. But I don't think that that's next week oh that's right holloway versus the korean zombie that's gonna oh, be wow, a fun nice. one 
Anthony Smith, Ryan Spann rematch. Giga Jikadze versus Alex Caceres. That's a pretty... I keep almost dropping my phone. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, that's going to be crazy. No. Is this fight on that card? Hold on. I got to be sure that this is right. There's no way this is on this card. I don't want to speak some misinformation here. <laughs> I'm going to go on Tapology because I don't trust uh, Google or Wikipedia. Tapology is the true fight yeah, source, in my it. opinion. Oh, my God. It is next week. Yes. he's Aaron Blanchfield is fighting Talia Santos. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we were talking about her getting close to the title. I knew she had that fight, but I thought it was in September for Damn, some reason. This is a big card. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. So, we'll definitely be back next week talking about that. Any other things in MMA, but... Overall, it was a fun weekend in fights, UFC 292, the PFL, and we're always going to be around to cover the next thing. So be sure to subscribe, like the video if you enjoyed it, and we'll see you all.